Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. Happy holidays. I hope you have a happy new year. I had originally planned to have a exclusive whole new episode of Talking Metal for you today. However, uh, we had kind of a rough week personally here in my house. Thankfully, everything is okay, and it looks like we're going to have a great Christmas and, and holiday. But it did affect everything from podcasting to my job. I, I really, without going into much detail, I, I couldn't really get anything done uh, while dealing with this uh, issue. So having said that, we're gonna. what we're going to do is air yet another episode or podcast, another episode of Metal Raps for you today, which was just recorded uh, probably about two, two, three days ago. And I have a bunch of interviews in the can, some really cool stuff, and I want to get that to you soon, and I hope to get you some extra content over the next couple weeks. So... We'll get into episode nine of Metal Raps, and I spoke with Mitch Lafon actually about Metal Raps, and he's been releasing the Metal Raps on his one-on-one with Mitch Lafon feed also, but after episode 10 of Metal Raps, they will be strictly exclusive to the Metal Raps feed, so if you enjoy Metal Raps, please subscribe to it on iTunes, leave a review for it on iTunes, or Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts from, and... Having said that, we'll get into the episode. Uh, If you want to hit me up with a year-end donation in appreciation for the 2014 year of Talking Metal, I would appreciate that. You can do that using the PayPal donation on TalkingMetal.com. And that's that, guys. Have a wonderful, wonderful Christmas, Hanukkah, and a very happy new year. You guys are the best. I love all the feedback you've been giving us on Facebook. You can do it on my personal page, facebook.com slash mstriegel. Or there's two separate Talking Metal pages, which I've tried to merge, but Facebook won't let me. So there you go. And on that note, here's Metal Raps, episode number nine, a discussion on Metallica. 
Well, hey there, welcome to episode nine of Metal Raps. My name is Mitch Joel, and as always, we are joined by Talking Metal's Mark Striegel. Mark, how are you? Hey, Mitch, I'm good. Good, and uh, always with uh, us, the party, the joiner, one-on-one with Mitch LaFon's Mitch LaFon. Mitch? Good day, Mitch. Yeah, how many Mitches can I say in a row when I do that intro? I don't know. I know. The and joiner. A, what does the joiner mean? I, I don't know. Like I always feel like it's me and Mark, <laughs> and then Mitch just wants to come along for the ride. I like, don't know. Yeah, I have my play. Can I? Can I? Please, can I play? Can we I needed play? another Mitch, so we brought him along. <laughs> hey, what, well, this the is, uh, one Mitch wasn't good enough, apparently. Exactly. Actually, I'm I'm the straggler for sure. There's no <laughs> doubt about it. But uh, we're we're glad to be back for episode number nine of Metal Raps and. Thought we would change things up a little bit this week and talk about a band that we sort of talked about in the last episode in terms of Robert Trujillo. Um, but Metallica, um, yes. Mitch Lafon, you brought up this 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 thing that you of which you want to speak. <laughs> well, I do. I, I was trying to. Well, I I posed the question: Is what keeps Metallica as a stadium band when bands that were right there with them in the eighties and nineties? are either playing bars, theaters, some perhaps in you know arenas, but they're not filling them out. What keeps them on top? Because, you know, you listen, we had Metallica at Heavy Montreal. It was the watershed moment. 80,000 people packed into the park over two days on the strength of Metallica being there. And this year, as you look at the, you know, you look at the landscape of metal, you go, okay, who's going to play Heavy Montreal that can do that? And the answer is, well, no one. I mean, <laughs> yeah. there, there's, there's just no one. You go, well, put in Black Sabbath. Well, Black Sabbath at the Bell Center in Montreal did about 75%. So, you know, 15,000 out of 20. You, you, you think Kiss, you go, they, they do 7,000. You think Mom. I'm not even close. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So why... You need is the package, it? baby. You need the package to pull in those types of numbers. Yeah, and the thing is, is why, and Metallica doesn't need a package. You could have put Metallica at Heavy Montreal, and you could have put me, you, and Mark in the afternoon as the opening bands with guitars and, you know, a drum at our feet that we that we kick. And I can actually had play 000. bass. I take that as an insult. <laughs> well, I can't play anything. So... Um, Striegel, you play right. You're, what do yeah, you guitar? yeah, yeah. We play guitar and bass and guitar do dude, some yeah. singing. Yeah. Still, the point being but, that you're yeah. not signed entities, and <laughs> yeah, Metallica would have still had eighty thousand fans if you and I had been there. So, what keeps them on top of their game? Why are they still a legitimate stadium band? Yeah, Let's go Striegel, you go. Yeah, I, you know, you go way back to the beginning of Metallica, and I'll I'll tell you what I remember as as a kid who discovered Kill 'Em All. In probably late '83, I bought "Ride the Lightning" the day it was released on Megaforce in probably like March 1984. And and at my high school, I was into metal. I liked everything from Motley Crue to you know Sabbath to Maiden to Kiss. But the one thing we started seeing on about Metallica at my school was no one really liked heavy metal at my school. It was a small club. And but I remember talking to jocks on the football team. I remember talking to the the you know, deadheads and, and the freaks, and they would all say to me, Yeah, you're a metal guy. What about Metallica? I really like Metallica. And it was the only band, except maybe like Van Halen, that started to kind of creep outside 
the metal geekdom world. And I saw people taking notice. And especially when, when Master of Puppets came out, suddenly people were really taking notice of this band and they weren't metalheads. And I, I, I think that that holds true these many years later. They're, they're, they reach outside of the metal culture and pull people in. Yeah, I think there are a lot of bands that 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 can sort of claim to that. And I would take a, a slightly different approach. Um, I just believe that there are some bands that transcend themselves and that transcend the genre and that simply become a part of an overall zeitgeist. And the zeitgeist, you know, that idea of it's the spirit of the times. When I think about bands that have done that from that time frame, I probably would look at U2. And then I would probably look at like a Metallica. Yeah. Uh, bon Jovi came really, really close. I think that they did themselves harm through just general oversaturation. Yeah. One of the things that I think Metallica has done exceptionally well over time is they've always kept the fans wanting more. They've done it in terms of length between albums. They've done it in terms of giving them a tour, a by request tour, changing the shows up, um, doing different things creatively with the music. So there's that side of it. I also think that they just happen to not be a heavy metal band. And people hate when I say that, but I'm a metalhead. They just don't like when I say that. Um, I believe that they are the epitome of the heavy rock band of our generation. And there's a sort of lightning rod thing that happens through that moment when you can transcend where parents start showing it to uh, their kids and introducing them early. Uh, the music has this sort of semi-pervasiveness across a myriad of channels across the spectrum. And so you see that for sure, um, especially in satellite radio, you see that you see the music do all that. Mm -hmm. But I also believe ultimately that you can't really say why. And I think that this is what a lot of people get frustrated with. There's a secret sauce and we don't know the secret sauce and, and neither do they. It's just this thing that happens. Why one author over another author, the author, why one song over another song? Yes, there's quality. There's no doubt about that. But there's a lot of bands that have extreme levels of quality. There is just something about the way they package, promote, bring it together, engage with their fans, push things forward that enable them to stay at that level. But I think it's so big that they themselves can't believe it. And just to sort of wrap it up before I throw it over to you, uh, Mitch, um, I could tell you that Trujillo was telling me that when they did their their uh, by demand tour, uh, by request tour, sorry, that, that he was actually really surprised. I think I mentioned this in the last episode mm -hmm. that that it was all of the hits. Uh, he thought people, were, you know, the fans were going to really dive deep and squirrel down into these really obscure B sides and stuff, and it didn't happen. And he sort of spoke to it as if it were a testament to this sort of sustainability that the band has over just generation and generation and people by people. I often tell people that Metallica is probably the only band that I know, heavy metal, hard rock, whatever genre, that can play anywhere in the world that has electricity and sell it out. And that's a pretty crazy thing. Mitch, yeah, it, over it, to you. It really is. And, and what I find also is how it's so intergenerational. You know, I, I meet people that are 60, that are 50, and I, can, I even meet teens at shows and stuff. And they all will say Metallica. Yeah, I love Metallica. But if you bring up a band, even like Nirvana, a 14-year-old will go, who? And you go, wow, really? They're saying who to Nirvana? But you say Metallica. And they go, 
oh yeah, man, I love them. And you don't see that with a lot of bands. Uh, you know, a lot of bands stick to that age group. If you were 15 then, you're now whatever, 35 now, and that's the only age group that likes that band. Metallica transcends that. What well, The other thing, I and I'll put this out to, to both of you, is it's remarkable that they've sustained it through all throughout all the negative press that they've had and negative reviews. Load, Reload, Lulu, even Death Magnetic, all these albums of the last 20 years, fans generally love to hate them, and yet you put a show on sale and 80,000 people show up and you go, well, I don't get it. I mean, if well, Kiss Mitch, did you that. Could, or you, if, you, you could even take it out of the music. Think about what happened back with Napster. And Lars, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I mean that in in anyone's mind at that point, it would have been almost game over. In fact, for a lot of bands, it was game over when they did that. And, and yet, even the movie, the some kind of monster movie too, got right. a lot of negative press, and and nobody else could do that. Just imagine Judas Priest having put out twenty years of bad music; they wouldn't even be playing a club today. Imagine Kiss. Imagine. I mean, and you know what? The, the funny thing is, is that you mentioned U2 before. They've actually pretty much followed the same pattern. They've put 20 yeah. years of really terrible music out, and yet they can play stadiums. It's, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm yeah, baffled I mean, I think, by the whole thing. I, 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 I think there's an argument to the, you know, terrible 20 years of yeah. music. But I, I was going to jump on that too, Mark, but you can, yeah. Yeah, well, well I mean, by I, the way, I, I, and I'm talking ahead, about, Mitch. I'm talking, sorry, I'm just talking about, reviews i happen to like death magnetic i'm not speaking from my own point of view i'm speaking from the reviews of those right. albums okay. and the general fan perception listen if you said to a, a metallica fan they're going to do a reload album show the fans would go uh <clears throat> excuse me yeah right right but metallica yeah. would never be that self-indulgent well, they uh, and when they are the yeah, but but again, that was that I believe that was different too. And again, after speaking to to, to Robert Trujillo about it, uh, you know, the, the other week, I I totally see what he's saying. When you have the flexibility to be as creative as you want across not the genres of music, but across media platforms, movies, music, books, on you know, just teacher merchandise, they're so creative in all the things they do. Some are going to hit, some are going to miss. Their their desire to want to do something with someone as, as iconic as Lou Reed and let him be the band leader and see what happens and 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 sort of be submissive to that experience. Again, like you may, you don't have to like it or love it, but I, I can respect that because they can afford to do those types of things. What I still agree with on all in all of this is that. I don't. I think you could look at all all this stuff that we just talked about and more. You could look at things like you know they're just a cool brand, you know, just the logo and the T-shirts and the icons that they use, and there's all this sort of culture to it. You could add it all up, and you could look at many other bands that have the same, if not cooler, if not better, levels of that, and still it wouldn't have that. And that's the thing. It's like it's this un. It's just unknowable thing in my world. For everybody that loves Malcolm Gladwell, there's a ton of people who don't understand them. I mean, Malcolm Gladwell is basically has took a, a business book and, and business books were being on, uh, sold in like in like cool stores because it's Malcolm Gladwell. Like he made the genre cool. Why him? He's a great writer. He's the best writer. It's questionable. But again, there's just something that comes together and it's like this lightning in a bottle that it's sort of they became the chosen ones. Yeah, but didn't they? To me, they they invented something that had never been 
done or heard before. And everyone nowadays argues, well, the big four, Metallica, Anthrax, Slayer, Megadeth. But listen to Anthrax, listen to Slayer, listen to Exodus, listen to Testament, Overkill, any of these bands. I mean, Testament was a little little later, but any of these bands before Kill 'em All, and especially before Ride the Lightning, and you will hear their sound change dramatically after the release of Ride the Lightning. I mean, Metallica created something that had never been heard before, in my opinion, and and they they had this, I, to use your words, Mitch, magic formula that that somehow this sound came together that just didn't exist. But it's interesting because if you actually look back historically. It did exist, and there were How? a lot of bands. Well, there were a lot of bands tinkering with it at the same time, right? What it really I, was. See, I think Lars, that's a Lars, rumor. That's that's not no. actually factual tr- truth, though. I think that's how history has played it out. But I, if you go Maybe back not. and listen to the actual recordings that Slayer, Exodus, Anthrax had before Metallica, they turned yeah, dramatically post Metallica. But Sabbath okay, but what was I would, doing what the I would heavy say thing, is it, and, the, if, and the, you know, the new wave of British heavy metal was doing that kind of yeah you know chord progression and all that wonderful stuff mm, i disagree but okay so, so here's what i would say though here's here's what i would say because i was really really into the genre of music then and i was really really close with many components of what was happening there if you go back in time you had the early days of megaforce and the early days of metal blade records and what you had were a bunch of bands and there really was a bunch of bands that were trying to for lack of a better word Americanize or North Americanize this new wave of British heavy metal. They were fans of this music and they were taking their own sort of anger uh, and, and, and sort of punk attitude. And there was stuff coming out of many areas. It wasn't just San Francisco. There was stuff coming out of Chicago, stuff coming out of New York, especially when it was sort of butting heads with the punk scene. And there were many bands that were sort of tinkering in this new genre of music where I think you're right, Mark, is that they sort of nailed it, but it's a questionable statement because their popularity didn't skyrocket then. They were really, really underground, and they were very much a part of that thrash metal genre for many years until it really hit, what, end of Master of Puppets before and Justice for All. It was sort of in that time frame when it really sort of become much more, let's call it mass you know, more had much more of a mastery, but for you know, there were other bands there. They weren't the only. I I would say they weren't. I'm not saying they weren't. They were probably the best one, <laughs> but yeah. But but there was a lot of stuff happening, and I'm sure if you brought on Brian Slagle from 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 Metal Blade Records, he would talk about so many bands and that who were sending him tapes and tapes. And again, you know, God bless them for being the chosen ones. I don't think any of us in in 15 minutes can go, this is the reason why they do it. I still think that the idea and topic of conversation that Mitch brought up, this idea that it's fascinating that after all these years with all these other bands who've had so much more mass appeal, your Bon Jovis of the world, your Mm -hmm. Kisses of the world, that a band like Metallica has become so iconic in terms of – it's crazy. Like when I think of rock and roll in my generation, I think of Metallica. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I mean – I think Mitch, you you call them the Led Zeppelin of of your of our of generation. My generation, yeah, for sure. Yeah, which I think we're all kind of the same generation. But um, it, I I in some ways I agree with that, and other ways I feel like they're even more than that because Led Zeppelin was this 
thing that ran for 10, 11, maybe 12 years. I'm not sure. Uh, and then it, it went away in, in its existence as a band. The music continued to live on forever and still lives on. But Metallica, unlike Zeppelin, has, has and like you too, has gone on to live and be a band primarily with the same players. Of course, you know, Cliff has died and Jason left, but the core three guys, it's, uh, you know. We are overlooking one important ingredient in all of this. It's how they treated their fans. You know, you could go and sit in a snake pit and, and record the show and you could meet them backstage. They, they do all kinds of, they're not doing paid meet and greets. You join the fan club and you can win a pass. Uh, they change the set list. They're always thinking of that fan. And they're one of, I'll, you know, very few bands do that. Some, some bands are somewhat antagonistic to fans. Metallica really, to me, hasn't been. And I'll tell you, one of the other things I would add on is as a guy who's now more in the business realm of life and marketing, and I'm sort of a student of like what makes something popular or brand move, right. is in being a part of that heavy MTL festival mm -hmm. and watching them, watching what happened, I was lucky to have these VIP passes. Well, you guys were back there too, just watching the mechanics. They, and by the way, you can see this every day if you want to watch uh, their Metallica videos that they recorded on their tour. They're all on YouTube. You can watch them all. Here's one thing that I think they do bring that a lot of brand bands don't think about. They are highly professional. Yes. Yeah. They are professional in how they rehearse. They're professional in how they write. They're professional. They take the job very, very seriously. They don't mess around. They're not playing, you know, that oh, here's just a show, let's whatever, toss in whatever. Everything is is even how they rehearse, even how they rehearse and practice their own instruments to this day. The hours and hours they still spend. You think Lars needs to get um, somebody might argue that he has to spend more than more than other people's time practicing, but right. I, I would say you know, he doesn't have to. I mean, he's really done it, he's accomplished it. And yet, you know, probably every day he's in the studio by himself or with the band trying to get better, becoming a better artist, becoming a better craftsman. And um, I, as a whole system, you don't see that often. No, you just don't. You don't see a whole band and their team and their the production company rolling with that high level of professionalism. That's a huge component of it. It really is. And I it's agree. funny, though, that you mention Lars because he's also been knocked as not being a good enough drummer. And and that just proves the point even more they've they have 20 years of, of bad albums according to the you know the, the reviews they've got a drummer who can't play people don't like kurt they don't like that it's not uh cliff burton and that we've got a new bass player all this negative stuff and yet that same fan is going to spend the hundred bucks to go to that stadium show you, yeah if you I'm do if you do the math they should be a massive failure it's, yeah, it's, great music is still great music. You can I twenty years later those albums still crush. I would argue that if you can step out of what you loved and what you hope they do and listen to albums like Load and even Reload and even Saint Anger, I stepped out of the industry and I heard that and I was like, these are pretty fun rock albums in a time when there's not mm -hmm. much music like that. I'm happy to hear that type of new thing. I can always go back to old catalog. I could always go online and order some random live concert that they're posting online. Mm -hmm. I had no issue with either either of those albums that are actually yeah so that's, that's just another me. thing the live metallica.com you go to a show two days later you can spend 10 bucks and you can buy the whole thing as a souvenir they could easily charge you 25 35 40 bucks to get that souvenir and they make it 10 bucks i mean that that to me so is saying 
hey fan, we appreciate that you came. It does cost us something to put us online, so help us recoup, but we're not going to gouge you. And, you know, that's that's the mark of a, and again, professional band, a, a true fan band. And to me, the only travel band left out there, and by that I mean it's the only band that I would travel to go see. If Kiss comes to Montreal, yeah, I'm there. Def Leppard comes to Montreal, yeah, I'm there. If they're playing in Toronto, you know what? I'll wait. To see them on the come to Montreal. Yeah. Whereas Metallica, <laughs> you know, if they're in Montreal and in Ottawa and in Quebec and in Albany, I am getting in a car. I am taking time off of work. I'm planning road trips. I'm booking hotels. And at my age, that's the only band that still elicits that response. No other band does. So, you know, kudos to them that they're just, you know, there's something nice special to still about be them. a fanboy. Yeah. Hey, before we cut out, guys, because we're coming in close in time. Um, for your shows, for Talking Metal, for one-on-one, uh, we're coming close to the holiday season. Are you guys launching shows through the holiday season? Do you take a hiatus? Mark, what's going on with Talking Metal? Uh, we're going to try to keep the shows going. We might be off the first week in January uh, because I'll be doing some some traveling, family traveling. But we had, had just posted a, a great year-end special where I'm joined by – Joey from the Rock Strikes 10 podcast, and we go over all the best hard rock and heavy metal that was released in 2014. So uh, check that out. I believe it's episode 508. Excellent. And, and Mitch, what's going on with you? Yeah, I've got some some Kiss Geek specials coming up. I, uh, I sat down with Pepe Castro of the Blues Magoos, and uh, you know he worked with Kiss on the Unmasked album, and you know in that era, Elder the Elder Era, that sounds better, doesn't it? And then I also sat down on a three-way call with Mitch Weissman, who was the original Paul McCartney in Beatlemania. Another and, Mitch. And yes, that's right. There's enough Mitches. <laughs> and uh, J.R. Smalling, who was the original Kiss Roadie. And of course, Mitch Weissman became Paul Stanley's best friend all through the 80s, played on all the solo albums, uh, wrote for Animal Lies and Asylum. And, and so the three of us sort of had these Let's tell our kiss stories. And, oh, cool. uh, you know, so it's, it's two sort of kiss geek Christmas specials. The fans seem to like that. And, you know, no, no band is currently promoting a new album over the holidays. So that's a good way to, uh, to bring listeners in is give them some kiss geek stuff. Love nice. it. And before we take off, what are you guys listening to? What's, what's been in the, in the buds lately? The earbuds, I should reiterate. <laughs> Mark, what are you listening to? Uh, you know, I was turned on to the uh, the last album that Devin Townsend, the Devin Townsend Project, mm. put out in or Canada. Good stuff. Yeah, put it out in 2014, and uh, the name is actually slipping my mind right now. I just started listening to it like two days ago. It's a double record, kind of concepty sci-fi theme. Excellent, excellent stuff. Uh, so definitely check that out. I'm always hesitant to ask Mitch because he's like rambles off 50 different albums. Keep it to like one or two, buddy. Mitch, what are you I'm, listening I'm to? I'm keeping <laughs> it to one, actually. Uh, I've gone back oh. to a 2012 uh, band is Eclipse out of Sweden. The album's called Bleed and Scream. I think it's just a, a perfect blend of heavy metal riffs with sort of a melodic rock voice. Hey, it's the Sweden invasion. Can't tell you. Yeah. 
I, I, I'm using all these streaming services, and I found myself clipping into a, an old friend of mine, James Labrie from from Dream Theater. And right. um, I was around when he was talking about Malmulzer, his his sort of infamous solo album. And then there's been three others. So I've been listening to Elements of Persuasion, Static Impulse, and Impermanent Resonance, and just enjoying the sort of off the dream theater stuff that he does. I've always been a fan of his voice. And if you guys are really nice to me, one day I'll talk about how I think I had a little, a tiny hand in getting him into dream theater, which oh, is, cool. I think, he, I think he would agree that that might even be a true statement. Nice. <laughs> so cool let me allow, uh, take two, two minutes to, to wish both of you guys happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, Thank it's you. been a pleasure doing this stuff yep. and we're going to keep at this and be back as always with metal raps. Number 10, uh, before you probably know it, uh, you can find me at, at Mitch Joel on Twitter. Mark, where can people find you? Uh, talkingmetal.com. I'm on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash M Striegel, M S T R I G L. And real quick, that Devin Townsend Project album is Z2 Sky Blue. Nice. There you go. And I'm Mitch? at Mitch Lafon, L A F O N, on uh, Twitter. And of course, Facebook. It's one on one with Mitch. Or you can just look up Mitch Lafon. Always happy to take on a new Facebook friend. Well, there you happy go. Happy holidays, everyone. Cheers. <laughs>